Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your hosts, Jake Mendel and Josh House. Podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. And while the Dolphins did score 70 points last week, there is another side of the football we do have to talk about. And in order to do that, I brought back another very good friend, Cat. You can find him on Twitter, on X, at BrianCatNFL. How's it going today, my friend? Uh, doing well. Uh, in a good mood. I mean, Dolphins are averaging 43 points a game. And, uh, you know, I was actually listening to PFF, their podcast, uh, just like a couple hours ago. And they made the comment of someone made the comment of uh, one of the, the hosts did of, you know, I think the Bills offense can keep up with the Dolphins offense. And I just stopped and I thought, imagine thinking that 13 months ago today uh, as as that being a talking point uh, on radio. So it just shows where the Dolphins are right now. And it, it's exciting. 8.1 yards per carry. I think it was 10 yards per play against Denver, man. It was just a really special performance. Just kind of a big picture. Um, I mean, what was it like watching that game for you? I haven't had the chance to talk to you. I mean, just seeing those 10 touchdowns and just the absolute thrashing of the Denver Broncos. What's funny is uh, there, there are about two or three people I text with throughout the game usually. And to two of those guys, I said after they went up 14 to nothing with, you know, in with – what nine nine and a half minutes left in the first quarter i jokingly said they're going to score 70 points and i didn't say 69 i didn't say 71 i said 70 and it was a as a joke but i did think they would possibly score 50 because uh you know they scored 14 that early and fatigue hasn't even set in yet Mm -hmm. um so it was as dominant of a victory as I've ever seen um, from the Dolphins. And uh, the first time in nine years that a team has won by 50 points or more. And the last time it happened, 2014, the Raiders and Rams, I was actually at that game because that game was in St. Louis. So interesting stuff there. A lot of freaky stuff's happening here. You don't score 70 points unless some freaky stuff happens. I mean, 10 touchdowns, that, that's a performance that's never going to be matched. One of the things that I thought was interesting about this game, especially if you just go look at the box score after, uh, I didn't think Russell Wilson in that passing offense looked too poor, but what really changed the game, I felt, was Javon Holland, who was able to mask a lot of what the Dolphins couldn't do in terms of stopping the pass game. Uh, yeah, that, that that's for sure. Uh <sighs> Yeah, it's it, it's going to be interesting this time around defensively because they've switched defensive coordinators now. So there are a lot of different responsibilities. You're not you're not going to be like Josh Boyer here, where his answer to everything was blitz more, blitz more, blitz more. Uh, this is going to be with Vic Fangio a lot more zone based defense here. And you know the kind of the bad news on on all of this is that you know. When Josh Allen is for his career, when Josh Allen is blitzed, he has a quarterback rating of of right about 95. When he isn't blitzed, he has a quarterback rating of 100.5. So he's he does well against both. And Mm -hmm. the Dolphins have obviously had problems with him over over the years. And, you know, this is a streak that that has to be broken because um, Josh Allen has is the only player in NFL history to throw for two touchdown passes or more against the same team in 11 straight games that if that is broken, then the Dolphins probably end up winning the game. Do you think they uh, snap that? No, 
simply because <laughs> simply because Josh Allen is he's humming along now. I mean, people made too big of a deal with him in the first game. Oh, this he's broken. He can't figure it out. He just had to stop doing dumb stuff. That that's it. Now that he's played much more conservatively over the last two weeks. Granted, it was against the Commanders and against the Raiders. Um, he's looked much, much better. You mentioned the uh, zone defense that Vic Fangio is using, and probably the outlier of that Denver game I look at is Justin Bethel. Uh, he ended up playing about 65 snaps or so, was Miami slot cornerback. Eli Apple only played four snaps. What did you see out of the flexibility like someone Justin Bethel brings? We saw him get a sack against Justin Herbert in week one. Now we see him lining up in coverage. I think he allowed a couple completions, but yeah, two targets, two completions for two yards, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, that includes a reception that went for negative five yards, considering that he gave up seven yards a yak. So think of someone like Justin Bethel, this ability to be a slot cornerback, and even maybe you're a little comfortable with him being a safety. How does that kind of help Miami keep Josh Allen off balance? Because, yes, I think he's going to get his. I think him throwing two touchdown passes might be a given. Um, but you're hoping he can turn the ball over three times along with having that, uh, you know, firepower on offense. Certainly. That's that's well stated. And, yeah, Justin Bethel, what a, what a find. Um, uh, you know, a, a Pro Bowl special teamer to begin with and mm-hmm. somebody who's been in the league for 12 years. He was drafted in 2011, the same year Mike Pouncey was drafted. So that's – that's how far back that goes. Um, but yeah, it, you know, you talk about in game one, he had the game clinching sack along with Jalen Phillips on Herbert. And then week two, he's the one that made the tackle on Mike Gusecki where he threw the ball yes. back. So <laughs> you've got a guy here who in back-to-back weeks made the game saving tackle. Um, so yeah, really a great find. And I hope he stays on the field there as the sixth or seventh defensive back. And what I like too about, Fangio uh, is he is blitzing more you know we've seen that the last two games but he's very selective about his blitzing he doesn't just bring the just say at the beginning of the play we're going to bring the house every time he sends an extra defender and he does it at a time where you least expected and it really caught uh, Mac Jones and Russell Wilson off guard so hopefully that happens to Josh Allen too what are the vibes when you think of the matchup of this a passing attack versus the Miami Dolphins defense? You have Stephon Diggs. He has two games so far this year with over 100 yards receiving. He can line up all over the field. We'll see him a lot in the slot. And then on the other side, we have Vic Fangio coming out and saying, uh, I've shadowed wide receivers in the past. It might be something we do in the future, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, when Jalen Ramsey returns. But he doesn't feel like it's something they're going to be doing right now. Yeah, and I don't think that they will shadow. Uh follow Stefan Diggs all over the field. I mean, you need to show him extra attention, mm-hmm. but I got to tell you, I mean, the, the initial feeling is that, well, is Xavier Howard going to travel with them? And then I start thinking, I, I'm not, I don't think it's a hot take to say, I think Cater Co. who's better than Xavier Howard. Um, Distancy wise. I completely agree for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and look, Xavier Howard's 30 and Cater Co. who, I've been waiting for him to kind of come back down to reality here for the last seven or eight games going back to last year. And it's, he just plays better and better every week. I mean, like the, the first three and out drive for the, for the Broncos last week, when Dolphins scored touchdown Broncos go three and out Cater Kohu makes an unbelievable tackle on Cortland Sutton to make it a second and five, um, a huge receiver, six, five, two forty, and then follows them all the way down the field and turns his head around just at the right time and 
the the ball is uh, Cortland Sutton's foot goes out of bounds thanks to Cater Kohu. So, I mean, he's he's fantastic. So I I hope they don't travel with Stefan Diggs, but I hope they do show him the extra attention he deserves. Stefan Diggs is an elite, amazing wide receiver. So I don't want this to be messed up, but I kind of like the matchup of Cater Kohu against Diggs because I think Diggs can do a lot after the catch in terms of just getting two, three yards here, two, three yards here. I mean, it might not sound like a lot, but second and three, four times is a lot different than second and five or, or second and six. Um, so I'm interested to see if they try to use Kohu just because he's such a sure-handed tackler where he can hopefully contain just that after effect that Stefan Diggs can have. Yeah, absolutely. And on the other side, you got Gabe Davis, who is, uh, you know, hasn't broken out the way that a lot of people have expected, but had, had the long touchdown last week. He's got a lot of size. So he's somebody that that you certainly got to worry about, too. And, you know, really, uh, to me, the biggest change on the Bills offense this year is when they drafted Dalton Kincaid there in the second round or, or in the first round. They use a lot of two tight end stuff um, mm-hmm. now. So. Uh, Dawson Knox and uh, Dalton Kincaid, you know, they're, they're part of the equation too. And, and, you know, obviously James Cook in the backfield averaging over six yards a carry. Yeah. James Cook, I think in each of the last two games, he's rushed for over 95 yards and the Dolphins, it's been kind of two sides of the coin, right? I don't think you can really expect the team to contain Austin Eckler, but I also don't think you're supposed to give up 250 rushing yards. However, the Dolphins run defense did look a lot better over the last two weeks. Um, Where do you think the truth is with this unit? And do you feel like James Cook fits into that bucket of a, there aren't a lot of Austin Ecklers, but that bucket of like, a, a you know, last week we saw Javante Williams be limited. Do you think the Dolphins have the skill set to contain this type of running back? You know, I said here before the Chargers game that you've got to, you've got to force the chargers to win with Austin Eckler beating you running the football. And they, that almost happened because mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, you could say, all right, we're not going to prioritize run defense as much, but yeah, you can't get run on for, you know, 208 yards that either that, that can't happen. And the dolphins have cleaned that up the last two weeks. I mean, 63 yards on the ground allowed to the Patriots, 66 to the Broncos. So yeah, I, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle, but um, you know, James cooks also, faster and in my opinion better than than javante williams um javante williams is more powerful but you know james cook can can make pay if you give him those same creases that javante had last week i completely agree with you i think that'll be an interesting to one to watch how does miami line up i mean josh allen's gonna have the football in his hand 80 percent of the time no matter who's running the football they are gonna keep the ball in his hand how do you feel the matchup of Miami's linebackers and safeties against James Cook and then the tight ends? Um, let, let's start with the running back, uh, James Cook. David Long Jr. game, is it that simple? I mean, we're going to see a lot more Andrew Van Ginkle. Uh, we've seen him when Jalen Phillips is out be a better pass rusher, but he's also gotten better in coverage. So I'm interested to see how they start to use these pieces now that we have a few weeks of, I guess, getting to trust them in this new defense. Yeah, it's it's hard to tell because Javon Holland and Andrew Van Ginkle move around a lot. So with that, it, the goal is to keep them unpredictable. Um, I, I I think Knox and Kincaid are, are a good one-two combo at tight end. So it's going to be a, more of a test for the Dolphins defense to cover tight ends than it has been. Um, really in previous weeks. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's a, I think it's a big game for, for a lot of them up there. Um, and, and also to Deshaun Elliott. I mean, uh, who at one year, $1.8 million has been a, just a complete steal. 
at this point. I, I, I think he stays as starting strong safety all year, even as Brandon Jones rounds into form. He's been that good. And, and I, think, I think he's the biggest part of this mix when covering tight ends because I think he's going to come down a lot and, and go up often against at least Dawson Knox. Elliot last week allowed one reception. He also had two pass breakups. One of the biggest reasons I'm, I mean, I'm super disappointed. Jalen Phillips is one of my favorite players. He played 29 snaps last week before getting injured. Uh, When you see this matchup, you know how big Josh Allen is. And you kind of had a little sigh of relief knowing that at least if he's a monster, we have two monsters in Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips. However, one name that I thought was doomed, one name I thought was going to be launched from Miami, never to be seen again, came knocking back on the door, and that is Emmanuel Agba. A sack, three hurries on Sunday. I think he even had an interception. I mean, his three hurries was more than the rest of the team had combined. I mean, how can someone like that get involved and for a second straight week prove, hey, you know, I can have a huge impact on this unit? Yeah, I mean, that looked like 2020 Emmanuel Agba, finally. I mean... Cause he's looked terrible uh, the first two games he was, I mean, and he, he, he looked terrible last year too. He was playing hurt last year, but yeah, I mean, he's got to be a big part of the, of the puzzle here moving forward because on, on third down, he has, he has the size to line up on the defensive line. He has the speed, at least barely enough speed to line up in a three point stance too. So he's a versatile piece if he, if you get him playing well. So yeah, he's absolutely a big part of this, especially with Jalen Phillips out which yeah is a it's it's a much bigger loss this week than it was against the Patriots uh, with Jalen Phillips because Phillips was fantastic against the Bills last year especially in the last two games and when you know Ginkle Van Ginkle is going to be used a little bit differently he's going to be moved around a little more he's a little bit more of a sudden type of player um, than Phillips who's going to line up largely in the same places every time but He's just going to flat out beat you either with strength inside or speed to the outside. So yeah, it's going to be a big loss here without Jalen Phillips. But I mean, if Van Ginkle goes out there and has a hell of a game, it'd be interesting to look at him playing lights out at Buffalo and at new England, especially for, for the small price tag of 2.7 million a year that he has. And those divisional battles are so important. And it does seem like, I mean, being a Dolphins fan, there's always been a few players on every team, no matter how bad the Jets were, how bad the the Bills were, they were always those guys who are going to give you headaches. And the fact that Miami might have found that guy of their own in someone like Andrew Van Ginkle is pretty awesome. Let me see here. Uh, Just to kind of power rank the cornerbacks here, uh, would you say that Eli Apple is kind of headed in the wrong direction here? Do you think Justin Bethel has that legitimate shot to overtake him as that slot cornerback? Yes, uh, Apple has not looked good. Um, he only had four snaps last week, and I, I'm, I know he got a little bit nicked up. That might have been part of it. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Um, but the week before against New England, yeah, he was the worst player on the field. I mean, on on defense. And when you look at the team in general, now that we aren't calling Austin Jackson a complete train wreck, at least not at this point, and now that you know Isaiah Wynn has taken over the left guard spot there is one clear cut, huge hole on this team. And that is as the third cornerback, luckily we're going to get Jalen Ramsey back, hopefully within the next, uh, within the next two months. And, and at a time where not to count all your chickens before they can hatch, but at a time where those games are really going to matter. You're so 
So you're ready to say that uh, Jason Sanders isn't a problem? Oh yeah, Sanders too, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that's a hole. That's that's a. But kickers aren't people, though. I mean, like you know, Sanders can't hit the broad side of a barn from fifty plus. That's I mean, he's gone after the year. That's definitely that's definitely a problem. I mean, when you look at last year too, look at those games where the Dolphins lost three in a row to the Jets, the Vikings, and uh, um, the Bengals. He missed, I believe, like a 50-yard kick in each of those games where the t- the not only do you lose three points, but then the other team on a short field came right back and scored. I mean, just huge swings in those games. Jason Sanders hits those those field goals. You might be looking at a four and two or five and one start instead of a three and three start last year. So, yeah, he's he's been he's been terrible, and I don't I don't see how that's turning around. He's been one of the most frustrating players, especially that 2020 All-Pro season. And then it's just, you, you even just know at, at times when he's going to miss that 50-yarder. I go back a couple weeks ago when he, when you just knew that it was going to um, just end up shooting the Dolphins in their foot. Uh, let me see here what else I have for you. Josh Allen against the Denver defense in 2019. He completed 60% of passes for 241 yards, two touchdowns. 2020. 70%, 392 yards, and four touchdowns. Those are both against Vic Fangio's defense. Is there someone on this Dolphins roster that you look at and say they can instantly change that this Sunday? Well, not instantly, but really kind of change that idea, identity. I mean, the good thing the Dolphins have going for them is they've got a better defensive coordinator this year, and they're not going into Buffalo and having to play all their backups. They're not, you know, you know, you had guys like Veron McKinley and, and Keon Crossan starting last year. And really, if you look at that that second Bills game, you know, the one during the regular season where the Dolphins lost, I believe, 32 to 29, mm-hmm. you know, for two and a half quarters, that defense was doing well and hanging around. I mean, it, it, on Josh Allen. So, yeah. And you're right. Uh, Josh Allen has played against Vic, Vic Fangio in 2020. Um, and that game where they, the Bills won 49, I think 49 to 13 or something like that. And Allen just went off. He went off on everybody that year too. I mean, he, he had a monster year. That was also a game, the game where the Bills clinched the AFC East title for the first time in 25 years. So that's his last game against Vic Fangio. So hopefully this serves as a revenge game of sorts for, uh, for Vic Fangio. And that's something to keep in mind with this game too. Everyone's talking about the Dolphins. And I mean, I wouldn't say Buffalo's nervous or scared, but, but, they, they are due to make a statement, right? They are in a situation where they have Miami coming in at home and they have to remind everyone, hey, we are the favorites in the AFC East. We have won this division three straight times. And you do wonder if the Bills hit that, uh, you know, hit lightning back in that 2020 season and they're just still trying to find it again. Yeah, and I think this is the biggest uh, in-division rivalry uh, in football right now, the Bills and the Dolphins. Because I really believe that if the Bills sweep the Dolphins or the Dolphins sweep the Bills, the loser of that might find themselves 12 and five or 13 and four at the end of the year and having a fifth seed and, and playing on the road for the whole playoffs. More than likely, you know, more than likely they split those games. They go one mm-hmm. and one in those games. You know, hopefully the Dolphins sweep them. But if you go 0 2 against the Bills, it, you don't have that tiebreaker. You know, you know, the bills are going to win a lot of games and you know, they're going to be right there with you here at the end of the year. So if, you know, it's, 
it's not the end of the world if the Dolphins lose this game and go to three and one, obviously. I mean, next two weeks, you got the Panthers and the Giants at home. You're going to be double digit favorites. But you win this game and you go to four and oh, you wake up on Monday morning and you have one road game between um, October 2nd and the day after Thanksgiving. One road game. And the schedule becomes, you have a few tough games in there, you know, against the Bills, against the Chiefs, against the Eagles. Other than that, the schedule looks very, very favorable. And you combine that with a 4-0 start, can turn into a special year really quick. As Dolphin I, I still, as a Dolphin fan, have a hard time wrapping my head around that one. You mentioned it earlier about how Jay, uh, you know, Josh Allen, he's going to beat you one way or another. He is a little worse when you're blitzing him up. Uh, the Dolphins got just one sack last week, but they did hit Russell Wilson 12 times. And to kind of flip the coin, Allen wasn't sacked in 36 dropbacks last week against the Washington defensive front. That is pretty awesome. Uh, that, to me, sounds like a pretty large uh, concern there, especially when you factor in Jalen Phillips not being in the picture. Yeah, I was surprised at that, too. The Bills have a Bills have a good offensive line, not not a great offensive line, but the Commanders, that is their identity, is they, they've got four first-round picks, on defense. I believe all of them have made the Pro Bowl. Uh, if not, they should have at one point because, you know, they're it's a very talented group. But yeah, their defensive line did really well last week. Our, our offensive line did really well. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, they got nine sacks and forced five turnovers. So yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's why the Bills won 37 to three last week against the Commanders. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be important that the Dolphins not only consistently provide pressure on Josh Allen, but that Vic Fangio continues to be very strategic in when he's sending that extra blitzer. Because if you just all out blitz Josh Allen, that doesn't work. Because if he breaks containment, he's got three Dolphins behind him, and he's got single coverage all over the field if if the receivers aren't wide open. So. Yeah, I, I, I am more comfortable with this defensive setup than I was under Josh Boyer. Oh, God, yeah. And, and even the players are. Cater Kohu, one of his biggest weaknesses, he was an undrafted rookie, so I'm nitpicking here, but one of the issues was if he saw a ball going over his head, there'd be times where he'd panic and just kind of pull the receiver down and take the pass interference type play. So you just see everyone's comfort just growing a little bit. Uh, you mentioned the uh, Bills defense and how they actually absolutely ripped apart Washington. I was actually listening to the same PFF podcast, and they did mention that um, Sam Howell credited was credited with four sacks. So he sacked himself four times last week. Uh, what a test for this Miami Dolphins offensive line. I mean, this Bills defense is so disruptive. So Ed Oliver, I mean, Jordan Phillips is on the defensive front. Greg Rousseau, this is a super gut check for that Miami Dolphins offensive line. It definitely is. And at defensive end, they have they have four guys that they rotate very regularly. So last week, if and this is pretty common for them, they rotated Leonard Floyd, A.J. Epinesa, Shaq Lawson. Um, and one guy I'm forgetting here, um, uh, the Greg Rousseau, you just said. So Rousseau. Floyd, Lawson, and Epineza. They rotate all four of those guys. All four of those guys played between 20 and 30 snaps last week. So it's very, they keep them fresh and they all, they have different playing styles. Floyd is long with speed. Epineza is powerful. Um, you know, Shaq Lawson, we had him here for a year. We know what he's about. He's kind of that edge setter. And Gregory Rousseau, like, like Floyd is, is long 
but not not quite as fast as Floyd, but a little bit stronger. So yeah, it's going to be a very big test for him. And yeah, nine sacks last week. But you you uh, you brought up what PFF said, and and I was going to reference that too. Here is of those nine sacks, at least four of them were Sam Howell. You know not finding anyone basically running into a defender that, that, so yes, the dolphins are not 70 points good. Like they were last week, but the bills on defense are not nine sacks per game. Good either. Yeah. And you know, again, the bills are a very good team, but I think of a pathway for the Miami dolphins to win here, the jets offense, 14 points per game, last in the league Raiders offense, 15 points, 29th Washington is ranked number 19th at with 19 points a game. I'm curious to see if Miami can maybe come out just swinging and hit that seven to 10 point lead, just really surprising the bills. They know how fast the dolphins are. It's a different thing when they're right in front of you trying to move around. So when you're looking at a pathway for the dolphins to win, I kind of get the idea that they're going to come out swinging right away. Yes. The rushing attack is working well, um, but the rushing attack can is going to be sustainable. So I'm curious to get your thoughts. I think, for Miami to come out and win this, I think they can get a little lead early and kind of just try to steer the game. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a, when you look at the Dolphins offense and all that they can do, it's going to be a lot for the Bills to solve in one week. I mean, where do you start? Especially with Waddle coming back. I mean, that's my key. Yeah. I mean, this is not a fast Bills defense. It's not. It's a good, it's a good defense. Uh, it's a zone-based defense. Um, they've got good players. But speed-wise, that's not their forte. Their forte is being in the right position and, and winning winning mentally. And they're going to be without Jordan Poyer at strong safety. Taylor Rapp's going to take his spot. They get even slower at that position uh, in this game. And last week I noticed, too, that their cornerbacks, Christian Benford and uh, Tredavious White, they were playing up on the line of scrimmage a lot and were tasked with winning that matchup against Terry McLaurin and, and Curtis Samuel. And besides one long Samuel catch, they did a really good job of that, but you're not you're not going to be able to play play up on on Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle unless unless you've got very clear safety help over the top. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think that give the Bills have played great on defense so far against three poor opponents. They still give up 25 points in three games. That's what you do. But no, nah, I mean, if you can come out and you can show them quickly, this is something a lot different than you've seen. And you get up to that 14 to nothing late again. Yeah, I think things get fun from there. And especially, too, that's when Josh, ha- and don't get me wrong, 14 nothing is Josh Allen can certainly come back. But if you want to get him in the position for him to spiral out of control, force him to make plays he's not comfortable making. Uh, Jalen Waddle coming back, obviously there goes six targets at the bare minimum for this offense. Considering that, where do you feel Devon A-Chain settles in on this offense? I don't think he's going to have nearly as big of a role as he did against the Broncos. Lightning struck right in that game. But um, where does he settle in? Do you think he's locked in as that RB2 right now? Because I just really can't gauge on how Mike McDaniel is going to use rookies, if he likes using rookies, or if it's just kind of a week-by-week type thing. Right. I think he's firmly running back, too. And I mean, a tweet the other day, and I, I didn't think it'd get as much attention, but I said, I don't really know what Savan Ahmed is, is doing on this team once Jeff Wilson comes back, because it's kind of like he got, I mean, maybe there's not a huge point to cutting him, but I mean, I don't think you're cutting Jeff Wilson. I don't think you're cutting Chris Brooks and obviously not Mostert or, or, uh, or Achain. So 
yeah, I, I, I think he's firmly running back too. And, you know, it's, it's incredible. If you can get Mostert and, and, and Achain on the field at the same time with Waddle and Hill, the Dolphins may have the four fastest players in the league. I don't mean the, I don't mean the best, the fastest combo of four players. I mean the four fastest offensive players in the league. And you've got Tua who is dialed in and you've got a, a genius like Mike McDaniel um, drawing up the plays. that, I don't know how another team stops that. And I know I'm getting overconfident here, but I mean, that tends to happen after you score 130 points in, in the first three weeks. Now, do you think they maybe need to slow it down a little bit? Or are they going too fast? Is that why Alec Ingold's on the field? No, no, never too fast. <laughs> faster, faster. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, the whole, the whole, I mean, I think, I think the speed of the offense is very responsible for the center exchanges with Tua because he's got to get out of there so fast and you could put the blame on one guy or another, but uh, I'm glad they somewhat got, got that cleaned up last week. So hopefully that, that continues, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's so much speed out there on the field and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if the dolphins come out and, and do a lot of outside zone running. And I think that's what they're going to do um, there. So yeah, I, I would be very surprised if the Bills or any team in the upcoming weeks just flat out shut down the Dolphins' offense for more than a couple of drives at a time, it's going to be a little while before I was the go back to the Pro Football Focus pod. They were talking about how it's going to be like the second, third of the season. You'll see teams start doing some crazy stuff to slow down the Dolphins, and by the you know the final third of the season is when you'll see teams kind of figuring. Again, you need to stop them, but having an idea of how you can slow this down and make Tua uncomfortable and have him hold the ball a little longer and kind of hope things can fall apart from there. I'm with you there. And, you know, the difference with last year is, I mean, it was a first first year head coach, first year offensive coordinator. Uh, you got a lot of new players here. Uh, and really, the Dolphins, once the the 49ers and chargers and a few other teams started flooding the middle of the field. The dolphins didn't have a lot of answers for that for a couple of games. And then, then they slowly started to figure it out, but that was their answer last year was, was a fly pattern to Tyree killer, Jalen Waddle or a slant over the middle. And once that was figured out and they didn't have a lot of answers, I started asking, you know, Mike McDaniel, if you're, if you're this offensive genius, you know, what's going on here? Well, that was a concern of mine heading into this year. Needless to say, I couldn't have been more wrong about anything in my life because the plays that they've drawn up and just the depth of, of plays that they have to pull from makes this offense so unpredictable. So they've got, they can beat you in so many ways. And and I, I really think the Patriots strategically had it right where it's like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to tell you up front, we're going to drop three safeties back. And if you want to win the game, 10, 15 yards at a time. That's what you're going to have to do. And a team like the Bills may do that same thing and say, look, in the fourth quarter, we're going to, we're going to win a 33 to 30 game here. And because that's the only way we're going to beat you. Completely agree with you. Kat, it is always a blast to, to get your insight and talk about the Miami Dolphins. Before I let you go and enjoy your weekend, I got to get a game prediction. Yeah, this was a game at the beginning of the year I looked at and, you know, just hey, going, going into Buffalo. Dolphins haven't won in a while. That's probably a loss. But you know, I'm not stopping here. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lower the mood. So, give me, give me thirty to twenty-four Dolphins. 
in this one here. And Jason Sanders kicking three field goals. Um, let me see. Let me do the math here. Uh, no, one field goal. Uh, Dolphins score four touchdowns. Sanders hits a 25 yarder barely, and then he misses an extra point. That's how, we, <laughs> that's how we get to 30. I think both of these offenses are going to be able to move the football. I think hopefully where Miami can make the difference on defense is, is red zone, right? The Bills are going to be able to move down the field, but hopefully, you know, a couple drives stall in the red zone. Someone's able to make a play. I, I told Josh in our preview pod, I like 28 to 20 that maybe Bills, you can work it where two drives have to, they have to settle for a, for a field goal and you can kind of just ride off from the sunset at, uh, at that point. But who knows? Yeah, I, I hear you there. And you know, with two in the red zone, and I'll leave you with this, is uh, on October 24th, 2021, Dolphins played the Falcons and, and lost. Two or through an interception. On uh, Jalen Hawkins picked it off. That is the last red zone interception that Tua has thrown. Other than that, um, over the last three years, 2021, 2022, and this year, um, he has 37 touchdowns and no interceptions in the red zone. Now that I've said that, Ruined it him. better not happen on Sunday because <laughs> I, have, I have a way of making those things come true. But, I mean, so for people that's, you know, I, I don't think there are a lot of people saying this now that, you know, two is a average to below average quarterback playing on, on an otherwise great offense. Some people think that, that which it's completely ridiculous at this point. Of course, he's elevated by the people around him, but, you know, 37 touchdowns, no interceptions, and a, a completion percentage of 64 and a half in the red zone. That doesn't happen by accident. That happens with great anticipation, great accuracy, and, and Tua is humming along uh, in those areas right now, big time. Wow. On X, on Twitter, at BrianCatNFL. You better check your polls if you're not fired up. Cat, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to another Dolphins podcast. We will be back early next week for a recap show, but until then, it's been done.